Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. So, Casey, now that Christmas is starting to draw near, this is starting to remind me of one of my favorite traditions that I've had with my kids, where we're all gathered around the computer. You thought I was going to say fire, didn't you? Where we're all <laughs> gathered around the computer and we're tracking Santa. And for us, it's always been the NORAD Santa tracker. Are you familiar with this? Have you, have you ever tried to track Santa on, on Christmas Eve? I don't really need to track Santa on Christmas Eve, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have been in some situations and yes, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. And, um, I mean, even from the time that, that my kids were little, we'll, we'll check out that NORAD Santa tracker and we're able to see kind of like where he is in the world. And, um, now, you were just telling me that uh, Google's got a version of this too, right? They do. And so, uh, you know, the the Google Santa Tracker is, is pretty awesome. It's this interactive game, and it will actually count down every day in December. There's a little game that you can interact with, and, and then when it gets to – to Christmas Eve, you can actually track him all night. So it's it's pretty fun. I imagine it connects to some other things. But you know what else I was looking at while we were talking? I was like, I think there's also a Google expedition um, that's no. Christmas related. And so um, there may be one with Santa. So somebody let us know. But I did check the list. Um, Google keeps this great spreadsheet of the Google expeditions list. And um, there are a few Christmas related expeditions as well. So um, you can go to uh, Norway and visit the Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square. If I'm saying that correctly, please don't give me a hard time with my Texas <laughs> accent here. Um, and then you can go to, where is it? Charles Dickens' home oh, cool. and, and visit that as well. So um, so there are some fun connections with Google and Christmas. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to find even more, but we would love to hear yeah. from you as well. Like how do you, how do you track Santa in your classroom or if you teach the older ones, do they care? But, uh, yeah. you know, what, what What are the fun things? You know, Matt's sitting around the computer screen. I don't know if there's a fire playing on the computer screen. There's a glow and it's dark <laughs> and there are carols. And, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, as as we digitize our our holidays, what are your favorite activities? We would love to hear from the tribe. 
Yeah, so please do go ahead and tweet to us on the GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter or, of course, go to googleteachertribe.com slash feedback and shoot us a comment so we can find out about those and we will share some of those on on an upcoming episode. And speaking of episode, Casey, what are we doing today? We are actually talking to Ryan O'Donnell. OD1 Kenobi, I've heard he's called. I loved that nickname. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, um, yeah, we are total geeks here at the Google Teacher Tribe. And uh, I think we were interviewing someone who speaks our language here, but Ryan is awesome. So we've got a great interview and he's got just a smorgasbord of tips and ideas and templates and things that you're going to love, as well as a couple of Google news and updates and some questions from our listeners. And then a couple of things from our blog. So uh, you ready to do this? I am ready. Let's okay, do it. Let's go. So to kick off our Google News and updates today, we're going to talk real quick about something that has popped up in Google Arts and Culture. And Casey and I were just talking off air about how it seems like we have a lot of these things in the Google News and updates, that there's always stuff going into Google Arts and Culture. So if anything related to history or social studies or a location fits into your class, it might be worth going over and checking out just Google Arts and Culture in general if you haven't. But... Now the British Museum has added a new exhibit and es un lugar muy importante en el mundo hispanohablante por la historia de los Maya. I felt like I needed to talk in Spanish a little bit and I realized there was a grammatical <laughs> error in that. So if you're a Spanish teacher, forgive me. Um, anyway. All I want to say is muy bueno. <laughs> Ooh, muy bueno. Fantástico. Muchas gracias. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, this is a new uh, Google Arts and Culture exhibit about the Maya. And so this is obviously an important thing when it comes to the Spanish speaking culture. And if you speak Spanish, you know, I just said something kind of about that. Um, but it also touches in you know, into history and social studies classes. I'm sure there's some, you know, literature and, you know, some, some English, there's um, art, there's just all sorts of connections to, to this potentially. But basically what they've done is they've given us some 360 degree virtual tours of Tikal, uh, which is a very important site when it comes to the Maya. Um, we've got some multimedia exhibits. We've got uh, street view panoramas, just a whole bunch of stuff. So if you do anything related to the Maya, you definitely have to go check this out because there is just a treasure trove of stuff to look at. I love it. I love how they're making all of the Google arts and culture pieces in the, the 360. So you can view it online, but this also means this is something that's going to work well when you cross over into using virtual reality with your students as well. So one other quick update here that I wanted to share has to do with Google Trends. And if you never looked at Google Trends, it's pretty fascinating. It will tell you what is trending in terms of what are people searching for on Google. And it can be very telling about our culture <laughs> as well. Like what everybody is obsessed with this, this topic at this moment. And, and you can see those types of things. I, I use this and share this a lot in my um, Google treasures presentation and it got a cool update. So not only are we now getting the, the trends, but you can also see the connections in Google news, shopping, 
Google Images, and on YouTube. And of course, they're giving us a fabulous example here of Taylor Swift. And so, <laughs> so you can, you can get a little screenshot and see the interest over time and where it peaks probably when her new album dropped and across the, the U.S., you know, what states and it seems, she seems pretty evenly popular. Um, although, uh, she, she dropped off around Tennessee, it seems they're not quite as, as, yeah. a little <laughs> as heavier on the Eastern favorable. Yeah. Than in the middle of the, the country. But this, it, but everybody seems to love Taylor. So, but if you click on over and, and look at, um, some of the other things, you can, you can really dig deeper and even go like global and see related topics and other types of things. But, this is a really interesting tool. I think it's a really cool research tool for secondary students as well. You know, when you're talking about current events and even when you're researching historically, um, just how, how things have changed over time. Of course, Google just has a plethora of information when it comes to what people search for and, and seeing those other things. I will mention one of my favorite things about Google Trends is also something called Hot Trends. Oh, this is cool. Yes. Yeah. And if you're ever in a Google office somewhere, they usually have these on the screen and it's just like a grid of all these different primary Google colors and it will show you what people are searching for at that moment. And it, it yeah, like when you go and you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, what's going on over there? You know, something happened, of course, right? You know, there's always something going on with, um, I don't know, Justin Bieber always seems to make it in there, whatever sports team, you know, the Dallas Cowboys might be on there, whatever's happening. But um, it is a very interesting tool. So so you definitely want to take some time to check out Google Trends. Yeah, definitely. Now, Casey, did you scroll down far enough to notice that your beloved Jimmy Fallon was on that page? That they used that as a as a topic. They said you can see the spike in searches for the video of Taylor's performance on the Tonight Show, and then there's Jimmy. Yes, yes, I saw Jimmy last week. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's that's yes, awesome. Sorry, that's cool. so sorry, sorry. Yeah, that was that was a little. You know, we just we just had to to stick that in there. So yes, so anyway, yes. Yeah, if you're interested in any of this stuff, of course, please do check out our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash thirty four. Okay, Tribe, I am super excited to introduce our next guest. We have Ryan O'Donnell on today, and you may know Ryan better as his Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, <laughs> picture that you see on Twitter. That's what I always think about when I when I see Ryan's name now, as I, I think about his, his Twitter profile picture as Obi-Wan. But I hear that he does many other things besides uh, dr- dressing up as, as Obi-Wan, but he, he did say that he, he Keeps a, a lightsaber handy in the classroom. So, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, first off, hi guys. Thanks for having me on. This is this is fantastic. I appreciate it. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, for myself, yeah, I'm a former social studies teacher. I'm in Rockland, uh, California, Northern California, outside Sacramento. Uh, I've been out of the classroom, being in a technology TOSA in Rockland Unified, and I just got back into the classroom, kind of doing a balancing act between classroom teaching and still doing some TOSA work. And I'm teaching a new class, which is kind of a, an exciting challenge for me, which is teaching video broadcasting. And so not what I'm really kind of classically trained to do, but I get the opportunity to really dive into digital storytelling and movie making and really enjoying the journey. And uh, in, in regards to podcasting, I do a couple podcasts. I do one called Check This Out with the one and only gear friend of mine, Brian Briggs. And then I do another one called Talk in Social Studies with a crew of uh, fantastic social studies teachers from throughout the country. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. And um, 
I know from from Twitter and just from you know conversations and stuff that I've ha- heard that um, your presentations that you do at conferences I've heard are legendary, and I know that you won't probably admit to that, but um, they are they are definitely really really good. Um, I, I think this is so cool. You've got kind of like the the ideal setup for me to be in the classroom, but you're also a TOSA, a teacher on special assignment, um, which lets you work with um, you know do some technology stuff with teachers and everything, which which I think is uh, is is super super cool. So now going back to that whole, just to touch on this real briefly, um, since I know that you like to put a creative, fun, engaging spin on professional development. Can you tell me just sort of briefly what you think about that? About because I know we've all probably been in a lot of very traditional, you know, teacher trainings and all of that. But um, there's, I mean, there's a there's a better way and a different way to do it, right? Well, for sure. Well, the first thing depends is, is is how much time that you have, and you generally have the one hour or the quick hitter, or and then you or then you also will have like a, a half day or a full day thing. And so, if you're going to be involved in doing professional development, the first thing to think is about: Am I going to have the quick one or the longer one? And uh, so that really kind of defines how you sort of organize it. And I, and I look when I design my professional development, I look at it like a like a meal. Like if you're going to have a nice meal, I want to be able to sit down. You need to be able to have an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert. And so that's kind of how I plan my sessions is somebody as they're going to come in, you need to welcome them, give them something nice and easy to digest and to start with. And then you go to the meal of it. So let's say oftentimes we have to do PD for people. We're all, we've all involved with it. And you don't necessarily uh, super excited about the content per se. So that's why if you can give something at the beginning, an appetizer to get them warmed up, that one, it's a resource, it's an idea strategy, but more importantly than that, it opens up that sort of growth mindset, lets them start uh, being open for new ideas. And then at the end, try to try to try to finish up with some uh, uh, something similar, kind of a fun thing. And that's kind of what, what I kind of began in my world of uh, of tech is I usually end with a game or some sort of a fun uh, environment uh, to wrap up most of my sessions. That's that's if I, that's if I have time, because unfortunately, normally I, I, I go over and I run too long. Uh, that's a great analogy, though. Although I will admit, you are making me hungry now, so uh, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to go appease myself. But uh, speaking of of your presentations and your games that you are getting into, you have a fantastic website, uh, Creative Ed Tech, and I, I was just scrolling through here because you do have a lot of your presentations linked on here. So if anybody is interested in checking that out, but um, you were you were talking about ending with with games. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about these games and how you use them or maybe how they can be used in the classroom? Games hand down are the number one thing that got me into ed tech. Uh, I, I, I was student teaching, I think it was 1997. And I sat in the back being a young teacher watching a very skilled teacher in the front of the classroom doing Jeopardy on a chalkboard. And I, I sat in the back and I had, we had Windows 3.1 and we had Microsoft PowerPoint. And I thought, oh my gosh, I could redesign his chalkboard and make a and make a jeopardy version of it and i did it and i and, and i wanted to show the lead teacher i'm like hey jack take a look at this thing and he was like well, c- well how do you jump to like vocabulary for f- 500 and back then you could do any hyperlinking and i'm like well you can't and he started asking all these other questions i'm like well you can't do that and he says well it, it, it's not very useful for me because my game it works for me and i thought i've got to prove him wrong i probably spent the next 10 years trying to de- design the perfect game to be able to show like jack and others that a technology tool could be this phenomenal thing and i think that i kind of did a disservice to myself that i felt too much uh 
too much about thinking that the tech is the tool and, and realizing that I learned more from Jack watching a guy who can really facilitate a game just because he's using chalk because of the questions that he was asking and the dynamics and the way he organized the classroom and the teams and all that kind of stuff. So for me, that was my that was the beginning of my journey of Jeopardy, which I think we all went through. And right. then my, lo- my love affair of PowerPoint and that that kind of <laughs> – you know, I still think PowerPoint is awesome. I often refer to it as it is the Cadillac of the presentation software. Uh, and I think Google Slides is a Camry. You know, it, it, <laughs> I love that. It, it does an amazing job. It has just as many cup holders, you know. Yeah. yeah. But, um, That's right. But here's also the problem is that my dad drives a Cadillac. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, and I, 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 I applaud Microsoft and, and PowerPoint and Office for that, trying to be able to catch up because I think that the hands down, the number one thing that Google did with their um, uh, the Google Docs integrate when it came out was the collaboration tool. And that hands down one one thing was the death blow uh, to Office, I think. And so that has sort of so, so that I'm sorry. So I got off the topic. So I started changing my games and say, OK, how can I be able to put these into into becoming more um usable. And I think the, the, the worst I ever got was who wants to be a millionaire. Cause I was super excited about the game and had the cool colors and the, and the sound effects, <laughs> but the worst meaning that I had one kid in the middle with a light on him and 35 other kids watching the game. Yeah. And I yeah. felt like, wow, it looked really cool, but it was, was not serving the purpose of, 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 of student involvement. Yeah. And thank goodness that you, you identified that. And it's so easy for us sometimes to look at that and go, okay, I designed this. It's like perfect. It's awesome. And then you get into it and you're like, yeah, but I spent all this time and it looks really good and I got to use it. But if it's not accomplishing the purposes, then what good is it, you know? Yeah. And so I, so then I migrated and started thinking about other games to be able to, to, to change the role. And I think the game, the television game, cause I, I grew up as a product of the seventies and eighties. So, you know, TV game shows sort of defined my, my entertainment with my family. And so like the game that I think was, uh, was who, uh, the hundred thousand dollar pyramid, because that I think I, I've rebranded that game. I've made my own version. I call it Frazzle. And I almost end every presentation with, a, if I can, a game of Frazzle, which is basically instead of the teacher ask the questions and the kids give the answer, you put somebody in front of the screen with a word, a phrase, a something behind them, and then somebody in front of them has to get them to say that. It's so very similar to the heads-up game that was real popular on the phones a while back, and it's so simple for teachers to do. You put up your vocabulary words, and you have a timer on there, and then the kids have you know 20 seconds or whatever to be able to get it, and it's the most exciting you know, uh, 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 a thing you can do, and there's virtually nothing to it. It's just a word on a screen, basically. That's fun. You know, and two, not just from the classroom perspective, but from the professional development perspective, it's pretty hilarious what you can even get adults to do (laughs) when they're playing a game. Right. So uh, games are so engaging. But, you know, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't cover these awesome templates that yes. you have on your site. Yes. So no. I, I like I, I'm digging into these right now and they they are so cool. And it looks like most of these are Google Slides mm-hmm. templates. It, so could you tell us a little bit about these and kind of what you do and how you use these? Well, you know, sure. First of all, I was listening to your guys' podcast uh, not that long ago. And, and Casey, you mentioned the idea about I think it was the phrase you, you said creative constraints. The idea that at, can you create lessons or learning opportunities in which that you just don't go, hey, kids, here's Google Slides. Make something like. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah that was I, I think I, I mentioned that from the uh, the intention book, the creativity one by Dan Ryder and Amy Burval. That came mm. out of that, I think. Yeah, I know exactly mm. what you're talking about. 
Yeah. And you, I think you also talked about the idea about rethinking this. I, I, these are some notes I wrote down because the, the, <laughs> it, it connected with me so much. You wrote, I think you said rethinking assignments in a digital world. And so that's kind of what the, the idea that if I want kids to be able to write or to tell a story, let's create something for them to begin the process. Much a lot, a lot like the line, like what Blue Apron's done for food. Like I can cook. Right. But if you can give me some of the ingredients and give me some directions, that's going to be a start for me. And so I, we, we did Blue Apron for like six, eight months, loved it. And then we stopped. But we're still making some of those meals and we're adding on to them. And so that's kind of like what the what I uh, like to do with these uh, templates is I, if I can create a, a shell for you to do something as a teacher or as a, or for you to use with your kids, you add the content. So I have things like some of my more popular ones are like my magazines. I have Time Magazine and National Geographic. And basically, I've put the graphics and the colors and some of the hyperlinks in there, and you swap out George Washington and you put whatever whatever it is that you want in there. Right. And what I love about these is not only do they look exactly like the cover of Time magazine or whatever, but also like one of my favorites is this Daily Profit uh, newspaper oh, yeah. because it's it's made in slides and you've got gifs in here and videos. So, oh, yeah. you know, like I, I hearken back to the, the early days of technology integration where like make a brochure or make it, make a newsletter kind of thing. Well, this is taking it a step further because it now becomes interactive and you know, that you're able to add these things in here. So when I opened it up, I was of course, super excited to see, see the animations and the fact that this is a template inside uh, Google slides or actually you can click on use a template and you have those nice directions. there, telling people, Hey, delete, this box. This is what you do, and um, and teachers need that those those specific directions to know how to use these. And so I think these these are pretty awesome. If people use these or others, the idea about about directions, I I get daily emails. Do you guys ever get these with some of your your documents requesting access? <laughs> oh yeah, I just, just got one a second ago on my phone. I know exactly what you're no. talking about. Yes, stop yes. doing that. that. I know. <laughs> I saw I saw a friend of mine named Rocky at our one of our fall Q conference, and he walks into my presentation. He walks into my session, and he had the shirt. And I'm like, Rocky, I need the shirt, and it said, "File, make a copy." Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I found myself on a daily basis. They found like a copy. So anyway, if you, any of you get these, I try to be able to do the force copy on them. But um, yeah, they're all designed for you to be able to kind of be able to, uh, to 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 make your own version and then start deleting and adding your own content. Yes, that's fabulous. I'm thinking if we got a version of that T-shirt, I would want file Mike a copy on the front and on the back. I would say, do not request edit access. Yes. Put that on the back of the t- <laughs> Yeah. And so, but I've had a bunch, I've had several people ask, which is really interesting because sometimes I get a little bit of their story. So I just had the Daily Prophet. I had a kid, he's in England and he asked if he could use it. And because he's doing a project for his class and I'm like, oh, sure. And I said, file, make a copy. And then that also opened up a dialogue. And I said, hey, by the way, if you're interested, I'd love to be able to see an example of what you've been doing. And I've had some really kind of interesting people share back. I had, I had a Daily Prophet one was really interesting, had no education. It was a woman who she was engaged and she wanted to do her brochure or what is that called of all of the brides and like uh, the bridesmaids and grooms. Whatever you yeah. call it. Yeah. She yeah. wanted to do a digital program of all the groomsmen and all the bridesmaids. And she wanted, and they were all big Harry Potter fans. And so she did the newsletter all about the, the people who were in, were in the wedding. So I thought that was really neat. Very good. Very good. All right. So we've gotten some good Google slide stuff. And since you're a fellow podcaster, I thought maybe we would touch back on this real quick. I was reading through some of the um, stuff that you've given us in our questionnaire that we send all of our um, all of our guests. And I loved that you mentioned this quote from John Ike about podcasting. He says mm-hmm. it's like it's like blogging without the commas, which oh, I totally, one. totally feels like <laughs> the truth. I think that's exactly what podcasting is like. So I know for me, 
one of my favorite ways to do professional learning is to do is to listen to podcasts because I can listen to it in the car while I'm cutting the grass, while I'm out on a run. I mean, you know, I can do something else while I'm learning, but I also get that kind of like connection. And I know anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, maybe you, you feel the same way about this one too. You know, there's there's just something special, I think, about podcasting. And I, I feel like it's, it's going to really take off. So I wondered if you could touch just briefly on why you're so invested into podcasting and maybe a couple of your favorite education podcasts. Oh, awesome. For sure. Um, and we can't talk for an hour about this, by the way. <laughs> Even though we, you know we would love to. Um, I would, yeah, definitely love to. Yeah, podcasting for me is, I know that when we all went through our teacher training courses, we remember learning about the different learning styles, about how people kind of uh, getting, uh, you know, can learn. And for me, I'm an auditory learner. I, I grew up listening to old-time radio, uh, with my parents in the car. And then I was a big fan of audiobooks, you know, back in the days of books on tape. And I thought, man, I, I can't believe I could be able to do something else. I can drive or like you're saying, uh, go for a walk or work out or be in the garden and be able to be engaged. And, and so that kind of got me on the journey of always wanting to listen. And the, the, what really kind of got me into podcasting was I was asked to teach AP history. I was, a, I was the social studies football coach guy that I was going to be the next coach. And, and history wasn't a huge passion to me. But when they asked me to teach AP history, I thought I need to know my content. And this was probably t 10, 10 years ago, I found a college professor who did a podcast of his lectures. And that changed my life. Like I'm listening to his. And next thing I know, I feel like I'm self I'm engaged. I know about the ancient Mesopotamians, I feel comfortable with all of these learning. And so that was like, okay, what else can I, what else can I gobble up? And so that, that, that began my process of wanting to learn more and more and more. Doing, uh, doing podcasts was the jump that I think everybody in the world of ed tech, we all hear or see somebody doing something and you always wonder if you could do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was always nervous, nervous, but then, you know, I said, you know, I went to a conference and somebody showed me how easy it is. And I thought, let's do it. I found a friend and said, hey, let's start talking. And it was really that easy. I would assume for you guys too, right? You just decided to take the plunge, huh? Yeah, we we had a lot of we had a lot of um, you know kind of help from different people and suggestions and all that, but really was just kind of like a plunge, wasn't it, Casey? Yes, it, it definitely was. We we were both fans of lots of different podcasts, and we loved the the learning of it. And as we say, thank goodness we decided not to go with video. But oh, right. <laughs> you know that that it, it's just a great way for us to communicate and a different way to to reach our audience. So I think I think it's fun, and I learn every day from some sort of podcast. So um, you know, podcast PD I think is one of my favorites types of PD. The hard part for me and about you guys is because I find myself a bit of a podcast junkie. I'm listening to new things all the time. And I, I look when I get in the car, I sometimes I feel like overwhelmed, like, oh, there's like 40 different things I need to listen to. Mm -hmm. Where do I even begin? But mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of great ones that I that I find myself going back to all the time. B big shout out to you guys is that th this world of Google Suite, Google Apps for Education has been so, has been so empowering for teachers. And we've needed this voice. There was a podcast a while ago and that kind of went away. And I felt like there was a there was a gap. And you guys have come along and been a, a, a perfect fit for so many people of having digestible, easy lessons and ideas. So I commend you guys for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. It's some, it's some other ones I want to be able to share if I could. Cult of Pedagogy from Jennifer Gonzalez. She is... Love it. Uh, she is just... Oh, she's amazing. She's just absolutely uh, just incredible. Um, uh, Teaching Keating. Have you guys have heard them, uh, them before? I've heard good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they do an amazing job. That's uh, Wes um, and his wife, Molly. And what they do is a wonderful job about taking a television show or a movie and be able to say, what's the what can we take from it as a learning moment? And so they like did Stranger Things. 
And they don't talk about the show Stranger Things a little bit, but they say, remember the teacher in Stranger Things? What an amazing sort of teacher he was. And then how we can, you know, some of the learning things that you can get from the kind of relationship that that teacher had. And they do everything from Shawshank to Redemption to all these other uh, movies and television. So I love teaching Keating. It's a fun one. And Oh, I've, I've got to listen to that. That's right up my alley. <laughs> just now subscribe to it. Like while you were still talking, I subscribed. Oh, awesome. And one more, if I don't, if I could, is uh, John, John Spencer's Creative Classroom. I didn't realize that John had a podcast. Shame oh, on me. Wow. Yeah. He, he, very similar to Jennifer Gonzalez, his blog and his podcast really kind of go hand in hand. And for me, like I, I, it's a, it's a challenge for me to read. I feel like email is the bane of my existence and I just, it's hard to look at more text on a screen. And so blo reading blogs is, is tough. So that's why I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to listen. Great point. Email is a killer. <laughs> so I'm going to put you guys on the spot. What, 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 what's a show that you guys love to listen to? Oh goodness! I mean, I, I, of course, love check this out that you and Yay. you and Brian do. You know, so I've got to definitely throw that in there. You know, one that I've listened to, I've I've started listening to an awful lot. This is probably one of my favorite education podcasts out there now. Is started up by Don Wetrick, and he's talking about kind of like the intersection of where education meets what the real world is asking for in its graduates and how we can prepare it. And it's got great voices from people who are in the entrepreneurial space and the business world and, you know, talking about their education experience and about where education needs to go to stay relevant. I think that's, it's just like a must listen, I think for educators of all walks of life. So that's, that's my, one of my number one favorites, especially since you already said something about Jennifer Gonzalez and the cult of pedagogy. Yes, those are of course great. You know, it's interesting because some of the podcasts sort of are not as consistent in when they get published. And so I'm I've, like, I'm looking at my list right now. I'm like, oh yeah, what happened to that one? You know, kind of talking about like there being some gaps sometimes, but there, there have been some fabulous ones. And sometimes there's some just that are, are a dedicated series, you know, it's just like a, a limited kind of thing. I actually work with a great group of educators at, at the Region 10 Education Service Center, and they have a podcast called Digital Learning Radio. And they just interviewed Gail Allen of um, Pillars of Modern Teaching. And so they're doing a great job. And, you know, it's really focused on servicing sort of our, our local area in our region. But, you know, I think that's what's great is they've also done a book study support through a podcast. And so I think that's another way to think about it. There's, you know, there's just so many different ways that you can use it. It doesn't have to be like what we're doing right here. Hmm. Interesting. I'm adding, I'm putting that down as we speak. Yeah. I just followed, <laughs> yeah, I just followed that one too. I've got like three or four new podcasts now that I'm going to start listening to thanks to this. So, and um, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't checked out Ryan's games and his templates on his website, you need to head to creativeedtech.com. Definitely head there and uh, they're up in the tabs up in the top. So Ryan, thank you so much for giving us some time and for being on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. You guys are thank you. And thanks again for all the work that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Ryan. We, we're so glad that you came on today. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com.
It is time for the tribe mailbag, and we've got a couple of questions from our listeners. And the first one comes from Holly Elgin of Alito, Texas. And so Holly says, I make changes to a Google slideshow daily, and I play our announcements in the cafeteria for our students. And every day, I have to publish it to the web to be able to have it play continuously. Is there a way to present it so that it plays continuously? So if you're listening to this and you don't know exactly what Holly's talking about, if you go to, if you have a slideshow open and you go to file, publish to the web, and then if you publish it to the web, that basically just kind of like gets that slideshow ready to be viewed on the web. And it adds a couple of extra options. And one of them is to play the slideshow on a loop and to advance the slides every so many seconds. And so that's what she wants to do. I'm assuming is that these announcements are going to go on a screen somewhere and they're just going to sort of slowly circulate and cycle through throughout the day. And so she's got to publish it to the web every day to have it play continuously. And is there a way to present it? And as far as I know, I'll bounce this off of Casey too, but as far as I know, this is pretty much the only way to do it. Now, it's nice to have the option to put it on a loop like this. But as far as I know, unless there's like an extension or an add-on or something out there that I don't know about, I'm pretty sure this is the only way that you do it. So Holly, you may be stuck in that whole publish it to the web thing. Yes. Well, and of course, if you're reusing the slide, you've already published it and you'll just refresh, which is is one of the nice things. You can also play with the the timing of it. But the, the thing that drives me crazy is we still don't have the ability to change the time per slide, which is something that I, I used to do in PowerPoint. And because I would have announcements in my classroom years and years ago running on on a, a slideshow there. But I you know, if something took a little bit longer to read or whatever, you could do that. So um unfortunately that's just sort of the way it works at the moment. And of course if you're doing this every single day, you want to save as much time as possible. But that's um that's essentially how how you do it. Go to file, publish to the web, and you will see some options there to to loop it or to change the timing. All right. And then we've got another question. And actually, this is sort of an observation more than anything. Um, this is from Marjorie Rispin from Carson, Nevada. And she says she's talking about how we had the uh, take a snapshot option in a lot of our Google tools and how that's been uh, sort of like eliminated. And she said, I too was disappointed that G Suite removed the insert and image snapshot. But she found something that I had never seen before until she called my attention to it. She says, I found that you can still take a snapshot through insert drawing. So when basically what you can do is if you have Google Docs open and you have a document, you can go to insert and one of the options is drawing and it pulls up a little Google drawing. And if you click the little camera icon, one of the options is still take a snapshot. And it, it basically uses that same little box that we used to have to insert images. Um, so at least right now, as of the recording of this episode, it still will do that. She says, when you're in the drawing, you can click the image icon and the snapshot is still an option. Then you save and close the drawing and it inserts that picture right into your document. A couple of extra steps, but it does work. And of course, that's only in docs. We don't have the ability to insert a drawing in slides or in, in some of the other applications. So so that's that's one kind of a workaround. However, I always worry that, you know, Google's trying to keep things consistent and that 
I, I kind of think that they will eventually make that toolbar like the new toolbar. But it's it's there and it is a, a great observation because I would have never thought of that. Um, actually, the insert drawing option is a great workaround for a lot of you know issues when you're trying to insert images and things like that in inside a doc. If if that drives you crazy, you can you can give that one a try. But thank you, Marjorie, for sharing that. And we're always looking for new tips and tricks, and we learned so much from all of you. So so keep them coming and and leave us some feedback. We especially love to get some voicemail. So so leave us a voicemail at googleteachertribe.com slash feedback. We also have a couple of things to share from the blogs. So, uh, so Matt, what do you have to share today? Yeah, so this one comes from one of my favorite uh, sources on the web, and it's uh, a blog called retrievalpractice.org, uh, which is run by Dr. Pooja Agarwal. Um, she is a cognitive scientist, former K-12 teacher, which is an interesting combination that you don't see very much. Um, she's actually one of the guests in my Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. So um, this is the online conference that I'm running in the month of December. Uh, nine presentations, great topics. You can get free professional development credit for watching the, the video presentations. We're giving away free Chromebooks. There's my shameless plug for it. <laughs> if you want to get <laughs> if you want to get your free ticket to it, of course, you can go to ditchsummit.com. But she sends out these great emails and I've got a link to her most recent email in the show notes and it's about retrieval practice, which is this neat uh, concept in cognitive science. And um, one way that you can apply it is to do something that she calls a brain dump. And so uh, it's also in, in the cognitive science world, they call it free recall, basically where you pause your lesson um, or whatever it is you're doing in class and ask students to just write down everything they can remember, things that you've just said, things that they remember from the past, just whatever. And then once they're done, they continue on. And this isn't something that's graded. It's just an activity to boost and improve their, their memory and their retention. And it really works. And science, you know, research shows that it works. This is the kind of stuff that you get from retrievalpractice.org all the time. So I love this email that she sent out. So uh, feel free to go to googleteachertribe.com slash 34 to get a link to it. And even right on this page that I'm going to refer you to, there is a subscribe button. So if you want to click on that, you're going to get those same emails. I get a lot of emails from a lot of blogs. And this is one that I seriously look forward to every time it comes in. So definitely go check it out. That's awesome and such a fascinating topic. Oh, so I'm yes. excited that you have her coming to the summit. Yes. Yeah, I know I am too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I probably should have shared this in last week's episode, but I, I kind of forgot about it. I have um, a teacher gift guide that I wanted to share. And um, I, I do this. Every, I've done this since I started the blog. So this is the ultimate teacher gift guide for 2017. And basically, I've just uh, put together a list of ideas for uh, any teacher, administrator, friend, something for yourself, whatever, you know, uh, I have a list of books that uh, you may be interested in. I will say there is a ditch that homework <gasps> book on this list. Yes. 
It made the list. Of course, so it made the list. It's a fabulous book. So um, that would make a great gift for any any educator that you know and love, or if you haven't read it yet, obviously. Um, so I, yes, I just gave a plug to my little partner here. But um, also, there are gadgets and and just some of the things that are either on my own wish list or, or things that I already own. Um, I didn't include prices on everything because it changes every day, right? Everything's going on sale right now. But um, so there are gifts that are under $100 and then there are gifts that are over $100. So some are much, much less. Um, I did find it pretty hilarious that I found a water bottle that says, these are the tears of my students. Um, <sighs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. I just thought that was hilarious. So anyway, some fun stuff, some gadgety stuff and some really like dream list kind of stuff. So go check it out. It is in our show notes, googleteachertribe.com slash 34. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved our conversation with Ryan O'Donnell. And if you, again, if you haven't checked out his templates and his games, please run to his website and go check it out. And I have to admit that since we talked about Casey's Ultimate Teacher Gift Guide, um, I have since jumped onto there and purchased the water bottle that says, these are my students' tears for a special (laughs) teacher in my life. Who could that be? I don't know. I don't know. Better keep it a secret just in case. Okay. Well, thanks for for listening to this episode of the Google Teacher Tribe. We will catch you next time. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. See you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. like there's a notebook that says straight out of pencils oh no i love that too i know there was some funny stuff in there there it is straight out of pencils (laughs) oh that's great that is great yeah i'm getting that water bottle right now actually what i need to do this is how i order things on amazon for my wife because we both run off of the same amazon account and we've got prime Mm -hmm. And we want to have Prime when we order things, but we don't want each other to see them. So if we're buying something for each other, we um, we give the link to and <laughs> orders it through her Amazon Prime and it gets shipped to her house. And so she gets all the notifications. And if she wants to order things for her husband, then we order them for her. Nice. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good little tip. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good one. So, yeah. Hey, podcast listeners. My name is Chris Nessie, and I'm the host of the House of EdTech podcast. The House of EdTech explores how technology is changing the way teachers teach and the impact that technology is having in education. My objectives include discussing technology that is changing our classrooms and schools and sharing information that you can hear about today and use tomorrow. I do this by talking with teachers, leaders, and creators just like you and having them share their stories. Why? Because whether you use it or not, technology is changing the way we teach, 
and how our students learn. So I'd love it if you came over to chrisnessy.com and checked out the House of Ed Tech. Because using technology isn't difficult. Just give it a try. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.